Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga Podcast. I'm your host, Manuel Fede, and yeah, once again joined by Stefan Bienkowski. Stefan, how's it going? Yeah, very, very well. It's a beautiful day here in Scotland. It's actually really warm, like deceptively warm. Um, and I'm trying not to fall asleep at my desk here because I've got the sun on my back. <laughs> so it's proving quite difficult. But yeah, no complaints. And yeah, the, the transfer window keeps ticking along. Very interesting, keeping us all busy. It is keeping us all busy and it's interesting you saying that because I guess it's where we are or the sun is currently in my face it's just come up it's an early morning here on the west coast beautiful day as well so I guess we're both lucky with the weather uh, summer has finally arrived it's come really late um, but yeah uh, summer also means tons of transfer stories and one user on twitter and we do always appreciate the feedback so keep it coming suggested we should talk about some transfer stories not related to Bayern Munich. And I get it. Um, there's a lot of Bayern Munich stuff happening and we talked a lot about it. And there's probably going to be an announcement very soon about some guy from Liverpool joining. Yes, it's all big news. But Stefan, I think today we're going to focus mostly on other clubs. Mm. Yeah, we also had another user complain that we've been very negative on Bayern Munich for the last couple of weeks. So I figured the only way to stop that was to literally stop talking about Bayern Munich. Yeah, so this this episode <laughs> if, is a almost no Bayern Munich episode. And we have some really interesting deals to talk about. And we're going to talk about them right after this break. This episode of the Gegenpressing Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news and sports development, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NHL hockey conference finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use your, our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. So yeah, um, a non-Bayern Munich transfer podcast. Um, where shall we start? I think... We can probably start at Borussia Dortmund and then people will say, okay, well, they're not doing Bayern Munich, so they're doing Borussia Dortmund instead. But Borussia Dortmund are about to sign Sebastian Haller. That deal is ticking along, more and more advanced. And I hate to mention Bayern Munich here, Stefan, but that's probably the number nine Bayern Munich should be signing now that they lost out on Darwin Nunez. And a little birdie telling me that if the right offer comes along for Robert Lewandowski, they will sell um, Robert Lewandowski for 50 million. So this is the number nine they should be signing because there isn't many number nines left. So Dortmund are getting one of the few number nines left in the market. It's a great signing if it happens, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. You know, I think Haller's done such a good job to kind of rebuild his reputation uh, at Ajax after what didn't happen at West Ham for him, which I'm not, not entirely sure his, is his fault. Um but he's obviously got a great record in the Bundesliga. He seems like a really complete striker. The, the, his record in the Champions League in recent seasons has just been incredible. Um, and I kind of think like he's also just a really smart sign from Dortmund, you know, just in general, because they obviously had to bring in a kind of proven goal scorer who could kind of step into Haaland's shoes. We've talked about like over in the past couple of weeks how Adeyemi probably isn't that player, just isn't that type of striker, to be honest. Um, but Haller kind of comes in with, um, 
you know, a degree of experience. He he has that kind of proven record. It's, he's not going to kind of show up at Dortmund and look like a rabbit in the headlights because he has done it all before. He's done it against Dortmund quite convincingly as well, actually, in recent seasons. Um, and I think he can also play that kind of almost like a target man, which at times Haaland almost kind of was playing for Dortmund last season. They were so direct in just getting to the bottom as quickly as possible. So if Terzic doesn't want to really rip up the rule book or the, 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 not the rule book, the formation book, whatever you want to call it, uh, the, the, the tactics plans, um, and he just wants to kind of slot Haller in there, then I think it would work quite well. Um, and it also kind of means, you know, Dortmund kind of mean business here. He's, he's not a young player. He's not some young gem who will move to the Premier League in three or four years. He's a ready-made, bona fide winner who's going to Dortmund with only one thing in in his mind, and that's to try and win the Bundesliga. Mm, yeah, I mean, remember when we talked... Oh, this is a few weeks. I don't. This is months ago. This was in, I think, in April, when we talked about um, Dortmund either targeting Huko Iketike or Sebastian Haller, and you raised that point um, that you think that signing Haller would actually be the smarter piece of business because then you're actually getting a player who is not going to leave in a few years' time. Um, since then, Hugo Iketike has agreed personal terms with Newcastle United, and that move has been slowed down by injuries right um there seems to be problems with his hamstring um which further underlines your point that maybe going under after sebastian haller is actually the better idea i i just think it's such a clever transfer um again if it happens right uh, it's not fully announced yet but when you when you read the latest reports and that the way um this, this is developing and from what you're hearing from people that are close to, to the club this is this is coming along quite fast and quite nicely. So, yeah, great piece of business. Um, so Dortmund are looking pretty good. I know that you posted something on uh, Twitter earlier today on the UK feed on Transfermarkt um, about their potential starting eleven. That's a pretty dangerous looking starting eleven, Stefan. Yeah, it is. If they do sign everyone, obviously they've been ranked with Rome, the left back from Hoffenheim as well, and. I mean, I kind of wonder if he's maybe a little beyond their grasp, to be perfectly honest with you, um, unless they can get a decent value for Rafael Gallero um, to kind of offset that. I think Hoffenheim might be looking for as much as 30 million euros for him because he's been linked with some Premier League sides as well. Uh, but besides that, they do look quite good. Um, I'm still a little wary of their options at fullback. Um, if I was a Dortmund fan, that would be concerning me because... It's just such an overlooked position in modern football. I don't know why. Um, and I know Dortmund have spent money on decent money on players, and recently, obviously, Munier, you know, Nico Schultz, Gallero wasn't cheap either. So they have spent money, but it has in the past kind of been like you know good money after bad sort of thing, where it hasn't really fixed any problems. And I, if I was a Dortmund fan, I would have kind of been hoping that they would have been able to. You know, really prioritize that and get that sorted soon as well. Maybe they will. Maybe they have other. Maybe they have uh, players in mind. Uh, but if they're starting this new season with, you know, Munier on the right and Nico Schultz on the left, then that says to me that this team still has a really, really exposed underbelly. And you know, Nico Schlotterbeck could end up being Superman in a central defense, but there's only so much he can do uh, if he's kind of chasing shadows behind Nico Schultz, for example, on that left-hand side. So, But besides that, things look quite good. Um, they've been signing players who not only look impressive and promising in the sense of like Adeyemi and Schlotterbeck, but they're also signing players who you know, are ready-made in the Bundesliga to kind of really make the step up. Um, I think, I mean, I would love to hear what... Um, I'd love to be a kind of fly in the wall in... Marco Rosa's living room right now when he's maybe watching the Sky Sports news ticker come through mm -hmm. and all these players are getting signed because he must be pulling his hair out thinking where was all this money last summer but you know that's just the way of it I guess uh, Dortmund have decided they're really going to go all in on Terzic all in on this squad and it does mean that they mean business and it'll be exciting to see if they can kind of put a squad some sort of squad together for all these players and try and make a title run yeah 
Yeah, I think that's the big one. Raum is going to be one interesting one to watch. And um, Dortmund have been so heavily linked to him. And I think the understanding is that they need to make some room first, right, for him. Um, I always think it's very convenient when certain Premier League rumors come up. <laughs> <laughs> because all of a sudden, a player's transfer value goes up by a lot, right? And mm. um, so I, I'm not 100% certain how much there is to this. And... Um, if it really is going to happen with Rome to Manchester United is the latest run, right? So we'll see. Um, but this is not just a podcast about uh, Borussia Dortmund. So we still also want to talk about some of the other teams. And the next one in mind is um, Leipzig. You know, Leipzig has been a really weird one this window for me because there was this... this um, I don't want to say it was a rumor. It was this leaked story from the club that they're going to invest big after winning the German Cup, right? And that mm. they are going to make a splash, that they're going to hang on to Nkunku, um, that they're seeing him as a centerpiece of uh, a rebuild, kind of, where they're going to bring in big-name players. And Ordinan Sava Schlager, who's a really good signing, by the way, I think, nothing much has happened. There is... Persistence rumors about Konrad Leimer maybe going to Bayern Munich. Uh, I know Leipzig are very reluctant to sell him because they don't want to strengthen a direct title competitor, which is, I think, the right thing to do. You you want to hang on to your cards as closely as possible. Tyler Adams is being linked to Leeds United. I think that's a convenient rumor because Jesse Marsh is there. And again, we have the Premier League financial bonus there going on. Mm. Is this, in some ways, feels a bit like they are waiting for outgoing transfers before they're going to do something in the in, on the incoming side, which for German teams is quite unusual um, being in a holding pattern like that in June because, yes, the transfer window goes July, August, uh, all the way to September. But oftentimes you see that they are getting the business done quite early. So for Leipzig, it's kind of odd that they're so far behind. Yeah, well, Leipzig aren't a traditional German club, are they? Which, yeah, that's true. as uh, everyone's, it goes to great pains to point out. And you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in two minds about Leipzig because I think I feel like on the one hand, they might be just kind of hoping to wait and see what happens in the window. Uh, you know, as you said, they maybe wait to react rather than act. Um, and and you know. As an institution, Leipzig have always kind of been more proactive in terms of kind of snapping up young, exciting players when they become available rather than, you know, waiting till the summer with a big and then having a big shopping list and just working methodically through it. You know, we, we see them pick up January signings probably more than most clubs in the Bundesliga, I would say, um, if a player just becomes available. Um, but so I'm kind of thinking. There's that aspect of it. But I also think another aspect of it is that Tedesco may have simply sat down with the club and the board and said, right, let's have a look at the squad from last season. And they might have quite happily said, look, the squad was absolutely fine. Um, you know, when it was on form, when everyone was fit, and when, you know, everyone was doing what Tedesco told them to do, they were probably the best team in Germany. Um, and it's not really his fault that Jesse Marsh couldn't get the most out of the squad to in the first half of the season, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the um, impl impl not implications, one of the kind of um, factors in Tedesco taking the job was possibly someone at, at the people at, Le at Leipzig saying, look, we're perfectly happy with the level of the quality of the squad. We've invested a lot of money in it and we actually think it's good enough to do something. So, you know, do what you can this season, get top four, but, you know, be aware of the fact that we don't plan on spending any money in the summer because we already have a, a really impressive roster of players. And, I, and I'm and i kind of inclined to agree with them, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, unless something really drastic happens, and by that I mean something like, you know, Vardy all moves to Chelsea or Nkunku moves to Man United, um, or obviously Conrad Leimer moves to Bayern Munich. Um, unless one of these things goes through, I don't really think Leipzig have to do too much in the window. Um and I think they'd probably be quite happy to just kind of finish the window, keeping a hold of these players and just kind of getting their head down and cracking on with the new season. Yeah, I find the Sava Schlager 
transfer quite interesting. Um, essentially signing him for just 12 million euros because he's an exit clause, right? Our market, we all had, we had him at 27 million euros after the latest update. Is is very good player. Um, struggled with injuries last year. Uh, a serious injury at the start of the season, right? A cruciate ligament rupture. Came back and actually fully played towards the end of the year for for Wolfsburg. And I think you could see how important he was for the Wolfsburg squad. Um, a lot of people thought right away that he would be the Lima replacement. And when you when you listen to people in Leipzig and talk to them about this, they are kind of seeing him playing next to 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 Lima and mm. that transfer rather pushing out the likes of Haidara. Haidara is being eternally linked with a Premier League move. Mm. Um, right? Yeah. And uh, same with Tyler Adams, as I mentioned off the top. And um it is really interesting. Um because Haidara, of course, um is a guy I think would do quite well in in, in the Premier in the Premier League. Um, I think the his agent represents him, Rachel Rosa, um, through Volker Struth, uh, Sports 360, um, have done a good work to maybe get him to to move to a club like that. And he's not, even though he is so high on Premier League lists, he's not exactly a player that Leipzig is is crucial for Leipzig. Which is I, that that's a fine one thing I always find found odd. Haidara is a guy who would suit Premier League clubs well but doesn't necessarily is a key player for this club. It's funny how that sometimes works out, right? Yeah, I've, I've always kind of been a wee bit wary of the Haidara praise. Yeah. Um, not too. because I don't think he's a good player, <laughs> but also just because whenever I've had people within English football say, all right, great, can you put together a profile on him? How good is he? And I kind of look at it and I think, well, yeah, I guess on paper he's quite good, but he's also not really a tied down starting player for Leipzig I mean he, he gets plenty of game time and he starts playing in games but he was never for example what Marcel Sabitzer used to be a few seasons ago where he was the main man for example um, so you know and I, and I completely agree with you about Schlager actually if, if, if you kind of look at the way he plays and the way he has played in the last couple of seasons I think of him more of a kind of six or a kind of holding midfielder whereas I actually think Conrad Leimer's actually better played as a number eight as a kind of box-to-box player um, he's really good at getting into the box, actually, and scoring goals or creating goals. Um, so I would think they're different players, but I also just think he just strikes me as a player who's just filling in uh, depth-wise for Leipzig. And, you know, you can maybe argue that maybe Leipzig don't have any of the best players in any, any one position except for maybe Nkunku, maybe Gavardiol's definitely developing into maybe one of the best central defenders in the division, but... Their real strength is their depth. So, mm. you know, I, I don't really think of Leipzig as this kind of team who keep a really tight, lean squad and it's one in, one out by any means. So, I th- and I also think, unlike Dortmund, they would probably move mountains to avoid selling a player to Bayern, which they did with Open Meccano and ultimately Bayern probably paid far too much money for him. Yeah, I, I think this should... I, I actually hope that Leipzig don't sell Lima to them at all. And um, what they should be doing is, uh, we all know the ownership structure at Leipzig. They don't really need that money. It's not that much money, right? The exit clause, well, nowadays not even is an exit clause. So the 20 million euros are not going to improve Leipzig at all. You might as well give them away for free at the end of the season to to anyone else. Um, Or sell them to United or some other English club who wants to take him. So hang on to him. Um... But yeah, this is not a Bayern Munich podcast, as promised. So <laughs> we can always talk about Konrad Leimann going to Bayern and another time. Uh, I want to kind of move on to another Champions League team. And this is not a team that finished in the top four. This is Eintracht Frankfurt. Because there is some really interesting stuff happening there. Uh, we should probably talk about the outgoings first. Philip Kostic, very heavily linked to a move to Juventus. This is something where I say he would be a, a huge loss for Frankfurt if he leaves. Um, one of the best players they had in the last few years. But on the other hand, this is a transfer I would understand from a perspective that he's won everything you can win with Frankfurt. Yes, they're going to play in the Champions League, sure. 
But if a club like Juventus comes knocking, and I know they haven't been at their best in the last few years and they're kind of rebuilding, but they're still Juventus. And I think if you have the opportunity to go there, and I know that Juventus have a huge standing in the Balkans too, where Kostic is from, right? Mm. You got to do it. I think no one in Frankfurt will begrudge him for that. It's not like he's going to some mid-standing Premier League team where just for the money. This seems like a dream move. So I think this, if this is an outgoing that's happening, it's a huge loss for Frankfurt. But I think this is one where I say, yeah, boy, chase your dreams. Uh, I think he, he's got to do it. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I, I was kind of just wondering there as well. Like, if the weird thing about this Frankfurt team is, even though they have been so reliant on Kostic for last season, and he was such a crucial member of that team, it has kind of felt as though he was kind of the last kind of remaining uh, player from like a previous squad, almost or a previous iteration of this team. Uh, he was hanging on, and because he's just been so good that hasn't been an issue. You know, that left wing spot is his and they kind of built their tactics around him more or less this season. But you can kind of understand when you kind of look at the players that they have in that team now and actually also quite notably the forwards that they have uh, and the forwards that they're hoping to bring in. Um, you can see where Frankfurt may want to have a more kind of developed or a more kind of varied attacking options rather than just kind of a more a very traditional, give it to the left winger, swings the ball into the box sort of thing. You know, they've got a lot of dribblers in that team. They've got a lot of players who love to play counter-attack. Uh, and they also will probably now have two bona fide number nines in Bore and Alario if, if he moves from Leverkusen, which is expected. Um, and obviously, you know, if they do bring in the big name who's been linked with them this week, of course, Mario Goza, uh, who's expected apparently to join the club from Ajax, uh, not from Ajax, sorry, uh, from PSV, um, then, you know, you, you do have a kind of more comprehensive attacking lineup there. And maybe it makes sense to kind of move Kostic on and that gives the head coach a little more space to experiment going forward next season. Yeah, and, and in the Hauge, they have that winger, natural winger that they originally brought in as a long-term replacement anyways, right? Um, plays in the other wing, of course, but you still have that uh, ability to swing in balls into the box. Uh, interesting that they, in Randall Kolumwani, um was a really highly was a really highly sought after player. Um, he, he arrives from France from ah oh, Nice. No, sorry, no. He arrives from no. Sorry about that. Um, they're bringing in a. a a new center forward and you have Bore already and and of course Alario so are they playing with three num three number nines next year it's a lot of center forwards <laughs> um it, it, i just think this this maybe suggests to me that they are, that Glasner is changing his tactics hmm. he is well obviously you need a bigger squad too when you play in the champions league so i get that as well but uh, i think that he maybe is changing his tactics. Um, Guts is coming in. I mean, that's a natural replacement for Kamada, for, for, um, Kamada right? If he leaves. Um, can we talk about Götze? For of a moment course, here? yeah. Because he's been really good in the Eredivisie. And I think that for 4 million euros... If that is his exit clause, you gotta do it. There is no risk whatsoever in bringing him in. Um, and Mario gave an interview to Sports Illustrated Germany where he said he really wanted to do. He said he wanted to win the Champions League and he lost playing in that competition. He, I don't think he's going to win the Champions League with Eintracht Frankfurt, but he's gonna play in it. So you gotta mm. do this. You gotta do this. This is a big name signing. He gives you. Within Germany, I, I, I know we talked about this today in the work chat. It's not a huge deal in terms of um, abroad, although he still he has a big name in the US. Where one of the teams that was chasing him is Inter Miami. And we had this confirmed from internal sources, right? And they actually made a better financial offer than Frankfurt did in terms of personal terms. But he didn't think he was quite there yet for a US move, which is fair enough. But so he does still have a name 
abroad um, for scoring that World Cup winning goal in 2014. But he's looking good. He's looking really fit. His numbers in the Eredivisie were very good. He's Roger Schmidt did a fantastic job at PSV to get him fit again. I think for that money, you have to do it, right, Stefan? Yeah, absolutely. He's, I mean, I'm I'm kind of torn when it comes to Goetze sometimes because I think he sometimes is almost kind of like the darling of the Bundesliga to an extent um, in the way that like everyone is kind of hoping that he'll kind of be able to switch it back on because he was just such an incredible player um, at, at Borussia Dortmund when he was coming through. Um, I'm not sure whether it's a case of injuries or fitness or... Um, you know, he's just kind of won too much too quickly as a young player. Obviously, he had that World Cup win, um, as well as all the success he had at Dortmund as well, I suppose, and Bayern. Um, it does kind of feel like he's got back to basics at Ajax. What really impresses... Why do I keep saying PSV. Ajax? <laughs> I don't know why I keep saying Ajax at PSV. Uh, what really impresses me is obviously the way he's managed to pick up goals and assists, you know, in equal, in equal footing. Um Decent enough numbers. I don't think they actually blow me away, to be perfectly honest with you. But, you know, we're talking like eight goals and assists in 30 league games, which isn't isn't fantastic for the Eredivisie, to be perfectly honest with you. So I'm actually kind of a wee bit... I'm a wee bit reluctant on this deal, to be honest. I'm also a bit wary of how he kind of comes into this team and doesn't step on the shoes of the toes of people like Kamada, uh, in the sense that they seem to me like very similar players. Um, but... You know, there's no doubt that if Kostic moves on, then in Frankfurt desperately need another kind of playmaker because he was by far and away uh, their their biggest assist creator last season. So, you know, if Gosa can come in, if he can kind of step into that number ten role, and he can just set up goals for these new number nines that they have, um, as well as Rafael Bore, then it could work out really well. And as you said, you know, the the real thing I think that was Frankfurt's strength and weakness was the fact that. They basically had to stick with the same starting eleven throughout last season. Uh, I think a large part of that was Glasgow just not went to mix mix up a good thing to ruin a good thing and just kind of build up momentum, especially in Europa League. But I also think it was down to the fact that they didn't have a huge amount of options off the bench. So I think you know, obviously, they're, they're making huge strides this summer to just kind of really bulk out that squad and. Gosa can kind of come into that team from time to time and kind of play as a playmaker, then it, it could work out really well. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, yeah, I'm really curious what Frankfurt are going to do. It's it, it seems like it's still very much a work in progress all around. Um, obviously, for a club like them, when you make the Champions League, you have to walk a little bit of a fine line, right? Because you have to increase your squad size you have to strengthen in all these different areas but at the same time you also have to be careful to um no or not overextend yourself financially and be kind of tied down with this massive squad that you can't afford um if you fail to make the champions league the following year which is very much possible for a club that finished 11 in the bundesliga <laughs> right we have to remember they got there because they won the europa league so it, it, I, I I get it. It's a very, very fine line uh, for them. Um, I do want to talk really briefly about Bayer Leverkusen. Speaking about teams that have been quiet. <laughs> I think we're all waiting about we're all waiting for Mikhailo Mudrik to arrive, the Ukrainian, right? Mm. Um, the latest was that I mean, Ukraine is still at war. I know the, the news cycle nowadays is so fast that people um, kind of banish it to the, the back of their minds, which is totally understandable. Um, I think the big holdup with Mikhail Mutrik is his uh, conscription status, Stefan. Oh, really? And, yeah, that's what I've been told, that you know, Schachter and Leverkusen have more or less agreed terms that he can come to Leverkusen um but it's been very quiet on i don't want to use the word front <laughs> <It's> terrible <laughs> um it's been very quiet in that regard um yeah but he would be a fantastic signing uh, i think like everyone else i kept a close eye on the uefa nations league of course you ukraine's world cup qualifying campaign came to a halt when when they were uh, knocked out by Wales, but he looked really good. He looked like a really interesting player, and I think he would add quite an interesting dimension to this Leverkusen side. 
But other than that, it's been pretty quiet when it comes to Leverkusen. Yeah, and I think they're a wee bit like Leipzig as well in the sense that, you know, they kind of looked at that squad at the end of the season and thought, you know what, this, there's much more to come from this team. Mm. And on top of that, they're just like Leipzig, just thinking, well, let's just keep a hold of our key players. Um, obviously, earlier in the season, there's a huge amount of speculation over, um, you know, um, Patrick Schick. And they, they acted very quickly in that by signing him up to new contract. Uh, Florian Wurtz is going nowhere. There seems to be constant speculation over, um, obviously, Moussa Diaby, but I actually am not entirely sure anything's going to happen with that anymore because of, obviously, the PSG things broke apart. So I kind of think they're just kind of sitting around quite happy to move on, wait on to the next season. They've picked up a really impressive young player in Hlozik, obviously, um, who -hmm. could end up being a really important player for them next season. But again, like Leipzig, I think they're just kind of like, yeah, you know what, we've got the squad that we want. Let's just get a bit more out of the next season and not sell any stars in the meantime. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty awkward. Um, I just got an email from Bayern Munich. It's not money, though. So never mind. <laughs> we're all good. <laughs> I think we're, we're all waiting for that one to be announced, but it's still not announced. Now, Leverkusen is an interesting one, and I'm, I'm really curious where, where they're going to take us on this on this transfer summer story. Um, but I'm with you. I think this squad is more or less put together. And... I mean, obviously, Luca Salario is the outgoing to, to Frankfurt, which we've mentioned. Um, although, the one thing that keeps coming up, and this is completely a sidebar, uh, Wood Weghorst was, was also linked to Frankfurt at some point, Stefan, and still is. And he's being linked to a couple other Bundesliga teams too. He's a bit of an interesting one, right? Because he doesn't... He, he was very successful with Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga. Then they sold him to Burn- Burnley. Was it Burnley? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always mix a couple of Premier League teams up. Um, and then didn't manage to keep them in the league. And now he's obviously being offered to all first division teams everywhere in Europe. But he doesn't exactly have, even though he's a good goal scorer, he doesn't have exactly the best reputation on a personal level, mostly because of his... Um, statements he's made around the COVID vaccine and his stand on COVID and in general. Um, But he's such a guaranteed goal scorer. I think that if there is a Bundesliga team that is looking for a striker and has that sort of money, they should probably do it, right? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's got a great Bundesliga record. Um, obviously things haven't really worked out at Burnley, but you know, I know we in the media talk a lot about what he said and on about vaccines in the past and God knows it's been an almighty storm about it on Twitter, but the guys apologize about it. And to be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure many mm. clubs really give two shits about it when they if, mm. if, if they if they think he can score fifteen goals a season for them, then they'll pick him up. Um I'd be quite surprised if he was willing to really make a quick jump back to the Bundesliga. Um it just it kind of depends how much it would cost as well, but I don't know. I think I think that one's kind of gone very quiet very quickly, and I'm not really surprised at it, to be perfectly honest with you, because I don't actually think he'd be that interested in coming back. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about a couple outgoings then. Um, Union Berlin, Taibo Aboni, linked to Nottingham Forest. 25 million euro move. Look, I think he is a fantastic player. Um, scored 15 goals for Union Berlin. was a big reason that they finished fifth in the Bundesliga and straight to the group stage of the Europa League, right? Which for the club is that's a big deal. Um, the Europa League group stage is a big deal for teams like Union Berlin. But you made a really... I think it was you on Twitter. You made a really good point that he was also very much... His goal-scoring success was very much linked to Max Kruse um, assisting him. And then sometimes what you see too is, we talked about the Bundesliga tax, I think, last week, that players' goal-scoring drops and when they go to the Premier League. I think this is a player right here. If Taibo Aiboni goes from Union Berlin, a team that is in the top five in the Bundesliga, 
to Nottingham Forest, a team that is definitely not going to be in the top five of the Premier League, but has because they are on the virtue of being promoted to the Premier League, have all that money in the world. I don't know if that's going to be a success. Mm, yeah, I think it was actually Kevin Hatchard that made that point, actually, rather than me. So he does deserve his own credit right. for that one in terms of the uh, Max Cruiser comparison. And, and I think he's actually... Kevin. <laughs> I think he's absolutely spot on, to be honest with you, because if you look at Adeyemi's stats, um, not Adeyemi, bloody hell, Awaniyi, uh, if you look at his stats in the second half of the season, um, they do kind of drop off. And I did make a point about this on Twitter today, and also comparing it to the Bochum defender who's moving on uh, to Southampton after one season in the Bundesliga. And the thing about this striker is that even though he had a very good season last year, it was a very impressive purple patch in the first half of the season. He didn't have a bad record after January, but it kind of did tie, it did kind of tail off, obviously, after Cruz left, as Kevin's point uh, pointed out. And if you kind of look over the course of two seasons in the Bundesliga, you're looking at 21 goals in 64 games. And, you know, it's it's not bad, by any means, but I do kind of feel like this coming season would have been the one in which he would have been able to really establish himself as a consistent, proven goal scorer, rather than just a player who had a really good season, everything kind of worked out for him, everything just kind of fell into place for him at Union Berlin. And I'd be very wary of this move, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I think Nottingham Forest could end up picking up a really impressive player. He could end up being a very, he could be a fantastic player in England. He's obviously got experience from England, obviously, because of his background um, at Liverpool. But I just kind of think if you look at his record in Germany, it suggests to me that he still kind of actually has to do a bit more to get over the line and be kind of like a proven talent, if you know what I mean. Mm. Like it's almost like, it's almost like last year was his kind of like rookie of the year move. And then this coming season was going to be the time where he stepped up and said, right, I'm now a bona fide senior striker who clubs can rely on to bag, you know, 15, 20 goals at uh, every league season. And to make that move to the Premier League before he does that suggests to me um, that, you know, it might be a little too soon. It might not be. Maybe not enforced. They've been very shrewd with this. They're managing to get in there quick before someone else does. So fair play to them if they do. But I can understand if Union Berlin are thinking, you know what, let's just cash in on him now while we can. Because if he goes back to having a season where he only scores six goals, then suddenly we can't move him. So I don't blame Union for selling him. I don't blame Nottingham Forest for buying him. But mm. maybe this is just me being typical pessimistic miserable bastard but I, I'm just a wee bit I, I think there's still a wee bit more to prove there before you could really start dreaming about being a star in the Premier League to be honest well yeah I mean I, I'm always very very when I see uh, players go from a good Bundesliga team to a Premier League team like Nottingham Forest this is no disrespect to Forest and they are long and glorious history but they just made their way back into the Premier League after decades in the wilderness. And they're not going to score a lot of goals next year. That's that's my issue. I, I think we actually I had a chat on Twitter when we talked about the Bundesliga tax. The problem isn't that Bundesliga players are worse than Premier League teams, players, or that their goal scoring drops off because the Premier League is harder to score in. It is harder to score for these players because they often go to teams that are not exactly a, not exactly a good fit, or they're going. They all of a sudden they're facing teams that don't play gegen pressing. Not everyone in England plays attacking style football as it is expected in Germany, right? Mm. We made these points in great lengths last week, so you can listen to that back. But I think this is the sort of deal where. Aboni is going to go there. He's not going to score 15 goals for Nottingham Forest. Everyone is going to scream, say, well, look, the Bundesliga is not as good as the Premier League, completely overlooking that he's gone from a team playing in the Europa League to a team that will probably barely survive next year. I actually think Nottingham will go straight back down. Again, no disrespect. This is just how I see it. Mm. So, of course, he's got, his goal scoring is going to drop. Well, it's just how it is, right? Yeah. 
And I think everyone involved in this, and except for Union Berlin, if they get 25 million euros for him, they have to take it. <laughs> Especially because they already have a replacement uh, signed in, ja in Jamie uh, Leveling, right? From Kreuter Fürth. Mm. Um, a young 21-year-old 21 striker, born in Nuremberg, gone through the Nuremberg Youth in Kreuter Fürth Youth Academy, um, only scored five goals in 33 games for Kreuter Fürth last year. But of course, Kreuterfurt, this is Kreuterfurt is the Nottingham Forest of the Bundesliga, right? <laughs> so he's going from a, a small well, it is, it's a good comparison. Kreuterfurt have a long, glorious past. They have won many German championships. Um they have um they even have a forest leaf thing in their their logo. So <laughs> um but in the end of the day, they are a middling second division side on paper, right? In size and everything and they're never going to be more than that and they just happen to be in the bundesliga for one year so leveling is going to probably go from five goals in 33 games to union berlin who are going to be better and his goal scoring is at least going to double hmm. right i mean that's i just think that it, it is such a it would be such a smart thing from union berlin to actually cash in in Avonie because you already have a young exciting German striker ready to, to replace him, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, a, it's, 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 it's an interesting move. It's one of these ones which will work out and will be, and then everyone will be like, oh, well, what a great move. Or it won't work out and then we'll probably not even talk about him ever again because you'll end up at, I don't know, some team in League One or something. But um, it's, it, it's what makes the transfer market interesting because we have these kind of moments um, and it, it'd be a shame if he did leave. Because I think he is a really exciting young player. I think he's found something really good at Union Berlin. I think the club themselves are just a really impressive unit right now. I'm excited mm -hmm. to see where they can go next season. Um, and obviously, losing your star striker doesn't help, even if they have managed to bring in someone who's just as impressive, maybe in the long run. Uh, but yeah, we'll just have to kind of wait and see what happens with it. Yeah. And then the final one that we want to talk about before we wrap this up. Wow, we haven't talked about Bayern much at all. We're really good about this. <laughs> uh, Bella Kotschap, a young German centre-back from VfL Bochum. 22 games for Bochum last year. Again, the fee in question is so astronomical high that you got to do that, right? Hmm. Um, Southampton isn't exactly the worst club to go to when you're a young player still developing. I think that's the plus. That's the positive, right? And this is... Germany doesn't exactly have a ton of centre-backs, so um, it'd be nice if this works out for the German national team as well. But there has also been issues with his with work ethic. He didn't always play. Um, obviously, extremely talented. But how do you see this um, from a perspective that Bochum is making a ton of money but also from the terms of developing the player, it it, it like I said, it, it's it's similar to me in terms of the Abunigi deal, mm. and this is kind of what I was talking about on Twitter earlier. On you know, this guy's hardly even arrived in the Bundesliga. You know, I thought Bochum were very impressive last season, even if they had some kind of interesting bits and bobs in terms of whether the form is in and out, but. You know, this guy's got a handful of league appearances in the grand scheme of things, and he's already been scooped up by a Premier League team. They cannot wait to kind of fly in there and grab him. And I was actually chatting to someone today who's quite close to Southampton about it, and they were kind of saying to me, that, like, you know, well, what do you think of him? And I said, well, I think he's got a huge amount of potential, but I don't think he's anywhere near ready for the Premier League. And they made a point to me that they also brought in another kind of player like this in Salisu, and... He's like, we basically signed him and nobody saw him for six months. You know, he was just kind of tucked away in some youth team, working away on his fitness and his physique and things. And then all of a sudden he kind of came up and he's doing a decent job now. And to be fair, Southampton are much better at this than most clubs in the Premier League. They do kind of play the long game. Um, they're not a very reactionary club. And I think they've also had a lot of success kind of, you know, picking up players from the German market. Um, so I don't really have any concerns that he's going to be thrown in the deep end here and, you know, within six months just burn out um, and end up at, like, Schalke or something in a couple of years. Uh, 
I think in the long run it'd probably be a good move for him. I think it's just it's just a sad incent. It's just it's just a sad kind of sign of how things are in the Bundesliga right now, and it's something I've harped on about for a while now that we're no longer at the point where players spend three or four years at Dortmund or Leverkusen and then they move to a big team. We're at the point now where a promoted team who struggled, well, that's not true, Bochum didn't really struggle, a team who did perfectly well, not entirely outstanding, um, can still have their, their players raided and they can still have players who've only had one season in the league scooped up immediately, you know, and that that worries me uh, from a Bundesliga point of view. I, I, I don't want to turn this into a huge rant because I'm not saying to the show. And I actually think this deal will probably be quite good for the player. Bochum get a lot of money for him too. So in the short term, great work for everyone involved. Uh, passing the back all around. But it's just sad to see this happen in the Bundesliga. And like, like I said on Twitter, you'll get some people say, oh, well, this is what the Bundesliga is all about. You know, we, we develop the stars of tomorrow and then... The, the the coaches and the youth academies bring the next ones through and everything's A-OK, you know, and we all get to get excited about the next player. But the problem is that if Union Berlin can't keep their star striker or Bochum can't keep a defender they'd like to build a team around, it means these teams can never actually get anywhere uh, and it means they can never actually develop. It means they can never actually end up challenging and it means that Bayern Munich can just kind of steamroll over 18 of the 20 of their 19 opponents every season because every summer their squads get raided by the Premier League. So it's maybe it's a maybe I should have ended the podcast on this dour note, but these two kind of these two rumors in particular kind of just came to mind. They, they just kind of seem to, you know, unravel something within me and kind of bother me in terms of how it maybe shows the way the Bundesliga is going at the moment. Yeah, you gotta stop it. <laughs> um, no, hundred percent. No, not you. I mean, the Bundesliga has got to stop the, the 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 leaking of all these talent. It's it's bad for the league. I mean, you're turning into the Eredivisie, mm-hmm. right? And um, people keep on and on and on how Bayern Munich is draining the the league of its best talent. When in fact, it, that's not true. It's the Premier League who's doing it, and they've been doing it since 2013, 14. You know. They've just been taking the best players from from the league, and because the resources are so enormous, and they don't always buy the players that are necessarily best for their clubs, because they're scouting. Because if you have that sort of money, you don't really need to do good scouting. You just do football manager kind of signings, and this is what often happens. Haller is a good example for that, right? Who was an excellent player, but was signed for by a club that had absolutely no need for him or didn't have the fit. Mm. Um, so they just look at the statistics and they buy him and people will say oh Premier League's do great work and they do all these great signings it's like yeah Liverpool do <laughs> but I'm sorry the rest of the league doesn't uh, you just look at United and the amount of money they have wasted um, on players that are absolutely not fit for that squad and I, I think and I, I know this from the league office when you talk to people in in Germany, the the two biggest dangers for the Bundesliga has always have been defined as um, as computer games and the Premier League, right? Because mm. that's that's just how it is. Uh, it's the, they are the two biggest enemies of for this league as in terms of what they um, what they mean for German culture. Um, and I mean this in the sense that kids not no not necessarily no longer grow up watching uh, the sports show in the evening, but they rather watch um, Manchester United in their super squad. And I have no solution how to fix it. I mean, we talked about that also in, um, a few months ago on how do maybe you have to promote the league in a different way and make it more attractive for kids. Netflix comes to mind, right, with the Formula One. But I, I do think that is, that is a problem and you would got to be able to keep, hang on sometimes to your players. I know that COVID was really hard for these clubs and uh, from a financial point of view. So Union Berlin were probably quite happy with this with this sort of money. Um, I think what Dortmund just have done by going after Haller, um, by going after a player who was probably a bit more established, you got to do what Bayern Munich did a few, a couple of decades ago now and say, at some point, you got to stop being a club 
a revolving door. You have to be able to say, okay, we're going to sign this player, not just for one or two years, we, we're going to build something around them for three or four years, at least. Um, well, I know that anything in sports, anything beyond two years is unplanable, but you got to go and make that step eventually. And maybe after COVID and with the financial recovery coming in, with fans being back, maybe we're going to get there eventually. But yeah, I'm with you. I think it's it's a huge issue. Yeah, exactly. And what a, what a lovely thing to uh, end, the, on the, end the podcast on. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I think we pretty much have covered everything. Um, we're going to, of course, I mean, we're all waiting for Sadio Mane. He's been seen all over Munich. Uh, pictures have been taken with him. Uh, his medical is done. The transfer is finished. Um, it's an Allianz Arena announcement tomorrow, Stefan. Yeah. So by the time this podcast comes out, you're probably going to see him uh, do a Real Madrid-like announcement at the Allianz Arena. It's a big deal. And uh, don't worry, we're going to talk about it probably next week um, in, a, in a bit more detail, even though we've talked about it quite a lot already. So, yeah. Uh, anyways, thanks for listening. As always, uh, leave us a review. The show is brought to you by Bet Online, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.